bad. It's not too bad. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here. If you don't know me, stick around afterwards for the New Friends Lunch. Free meal. We want to see you there. Um, it, just thank you for everybody for joining us and joining us online. I know some people couldn't make it today, or maybe they're just getting some fresh powder. If you're watching, come back to the 6 p.m. service, okay? You can still go skiing in the morning and be a part of our church. Okay, one thing in the life of our church, we've been doing our Raise the Roof campaign. We've talked about it because this incredible historic building that we own has some damage to the roof, some structural damage. It's a historic building. We've got to repair it. And we don't want anybody to hurt. Um, so you guys, we were trying to raise 160000 to kind of fix that and hopefully permanently fix it uh, for the future. You guys have already given now past the halfway mark. We just crossed the halfway mark. So that's good. Yep, good job. Um, thank you guys for giving generously to that. And we do encourage, if you haven't given a gift to that, would you please consider doing that? It's just like you take care of your own house. You've got to replace something that's broken, fix the heater, fix your roof. We've got to do the same thing for our house of worship. So consider doing that. Maybe you're getting your tax return back. Hopefully it's a good year. Maybe give us a little bit of it, okay? Think about that. Pray about it. We would really appreciate it. Raise the roof together. Okay, so we have a big passage to cover today. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. If you want to go ahead and grab your Bibles and get there. As we are in the second week in our mini-series, we're calling Change Agents because Jesus is calling us and sending us out to change the world. Last week, as we began it, we saw this sermon that Jesus gave. It's kind of his essential sermon. It's called like the Sermon on the Plain or the Sermon on the Plateau in Luke. Very similar to the Sermon on the Mount that you find in Matthew. And in it, as we saw that Jesus began to teach, and we learned last week that Jesus sends us, he sends us to change the world by changing how we see the world. And one of the things that we ended with was that, hey, we've got to flip the way we see the world, including the fact That if you follow Jesus, you will be persecuted. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. And I got some pushback from some people, some questions about this, because it doesn't sound very fun, right? I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to be hurt. People are going to hate me. That's what Jesus said. People will hate you. They'll insult you. They'll exclude you because you belong to the name of Jesus. Last Sunday night, I went home and I was looking. I have a news source, a Christian one, and I saw that in Burkina Faso, that same day that we were worshiping last Sunday, some, a terrorist group came in and targeted a church, a Christian church. They came in and they killed 24 people. They targeted them because they're Christians. They killed the pastor and a whole group of men and women and children in that church. That happened last week while we were worshiping, while we were talking about how Jesus said, you will be persecuted. This is happening around the world and I think the question we have is, how do we respond to something like that? We're in the United States. We'll be honest, it's way easier for us here. Things are good. We have freedom of worship. We have uh, freedom of religion here. But there are times, and I think it's growing increasingly so, that we're insulted for being Christians. We're mocked. We're we're viewed down, looked down upon. Um, It's like almost our time has passed. Now we get to make fun of you Christians as much as we want. And sometimes we feel that. So I just want you to imagine, maybe this is something you've already experienced, or, or it will be something that you do experience as a follower of Jesus, is how do you respond to someone who mocks you? Who hates you? Perhaps it's this year when you're talking about who you're going to vote for and they're saying, how could you vote for that person and be a Christian? And I'm not saying who you're voting for because it could be either one, right? Whoever it's going to be, right? But it doesn't matter what they'll say. How could you do that? Christians, you've had your time. It's time for you to get out of our courts, get out of our politics, get out of our schools because you Christians are ruining everything. So how do you respond to someone who is going to say that to you? 
How do you respond when you're insulted or mocked for being a Christian or excluded or even losing a job because of that? How do you respond to the hate in our world? And that's a big thing because our nation is growing more and more divided. More and more hate is happening. More and more insults between people. It's becoming common. So how do we respond? How can we be the change agents in our world? Because, man, we need some help, don't we? So we learned last week, well, we've got to be a little different. If you're just the same as everybody else, nothing's going to change. So how can we be the change agents? What we're going to see last week, we said we have to change the way we see the world. It's a change in mindset that, hey, it's not about getting ahead and making more money, being at the top of the food chain. Okay, it's not about that. It's about loving people, serving people. So we talked about this change in mindset. Well, now what Jesus is going to tell you is take that and say, now how do you actually live it out? What are we actually supposed to do now in our world? Not just change the way you think, the way you see the world. That's not enough. Jesus is going to challenge us today to live it out. And what we're going to learn is one of the most simple things, one of the most simple things, yet it is so hard to do. So we're going to learn today to love like Jesus. Okay? Very simple, right? Love like Jesus. Three words. Love like Jesus. Can you say that? Love like Jesus. Okay? Very simple, and yet it is so hard, so challenging to do. But we have to do it if we want our world to change. We've got to learn to love like Jesus. Jesus. So I'm going to jump actually into the middle of our passage, and we're going to see this verse that for for a lot of times it it doesn't really seem to fit in its context, and yet I think it is the verse that helps us understand this entire second half of John chapter 6. So we're going to look at this verse first, and then I think through it we're going to see how the whole chapter fits together. So let's look together at verse 40 of John chapter 6. In verse 40, we read Jesus saying, The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So remember, Jesus is speaking to his followers here. There's a whole crowd of people that were sitting there listening to him or standing there. But Jesus looks directly at his disciples. That's what we read last week. He looked directly at his disciples and said, This is for you. So everybody else gets to overhear, but this is for those who have already made the decision to follow Jesus. So if you're here today, you're just part of the crowd, you're hanging out, somebody dragged you here, you get to sit back, this message isn't for you. But maybe you'll think about it and say, hey, do I want to be part of that group? Do I want to be following Jesus as well? Hopefully you'll give that some thought. But the rest, you can kind of hang out, you don't have to listen to. But if we are followers of Jesus, this message is for us. And Jesus tells us that the student is not above the teacher, everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Who's the teacher? Jesus. He's the teacher. He's the rabbi. And in those days, a rabbi would take disciples. He would take followers around with him so they wouldn't just learn in a school and then go home at night. They would spend time with him, learn from him. And he says, the goal, you know this, you know that the goal of being a follower is to eventually become a teacher yourself. A student becomes the master. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, that's the goal. This is what we're all going to do. I talked to someone after the first service, a doctor, training doctors. And, and what do they do? You get out of med school, you're not a doctor, right? You've got to learn to be a doctor. And the doctors teach the doctors so that they can become what? Doctors. Okay? A, a, a student, fully trained, becomes a doctor and then can instruct others, right? We see this because like produces like. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you follow me, you will become like me. You'll become like me. We know that like produces like. My father-in-law was playing with McKinley a few weeks ago and said, oh, you've got to learn about plants. I mean, in the middle of winter, I guess that's what you're supposed to teach them, right? But they've got a bunch of beans, 
And they put the beans in a little pot and put the pot on the windowsill and they started watering it every day. And what happened? Well, the bean became a sprout. Sprout became a plant. The plant starts to flower. And now what is being formed? Beans. Yes, a bean becomes a bean, right? Produces a bean. A like produces like. Okay, if you take an apple, you take the seeds out, you plant it in the ground, you don't make a cactus. Right? An apple seed becomes an apple tree, right? Like produces like. If you want a big, strong oak tree, you plant an oak seed, right? Okay, we know these things. Like produces like. And it's the same thing. Jesus says, if you follow me, if you learn from me, you will eventually become like me. So that's why everything we're going to talk about is learning how to be like Jesus. And hopefully that is really the end goal of our life. We'll never quite get there, but it should be like, this is the direction I'm going. I want to be as much like Jesus as I can. That's what we do here. We are all about helping people follow Jesus because you become like Jesus. It says something similar in 2 Corinthians 3.18 where Paul says, Jesus makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. This is what the Christian life is all about, becoming like Jesus. So when Jesus teaches us today to love like Him, we are learning not only from His teaching, but we are learning from His life as well. And that's why I think this verse kind of helps us understand this entire long passage that we're going to go through today, because we have to learn to love like Jesus. Okay? And he's going to give four different sections in this message, and and in turn in our message, four different ways to love like Jesus. Okay, We're going to be moving quickly today. So pay attention, take some notes. You can ask questions afterwards or send them into our 10,000 podcast. We'll answer them or, or talk about it at your community group this week. But we're going to move quickly because there are four ways we need to learn to love like Jesus. And the first one is that love, Jesus type of love, love gives without getting. It's the first thing. Love gives without getting. This is about the love that goes out from us, is given to other people, not about what we can receive back. It's not about like, I'm going to give you a back rub because you're going to give me a back rub afterwards, right? Love gives without getting. The the love of Jesus gives without getting. This is what Jesus says first. Now we go back to the beginning of this section in verses 27 and 28 of Luke chapter 6. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. He starts out pretty strong, doesn't he? He doesn't say, let's start out with a little cuddly puppy, love that first, and then we'll work our way up. He says, no, no, love your enemies, the people who hate you and insult you and curse you, love them, the people who are definitely not giving you anything in return. Love them. Love your enemies. Jesus starts there and it's strong. He, he goes on to give some very practical application. He says, okay, someone smacks you on one cheek, you turn and give them the other cheek so they can smack you again. You're getting nothing back for that, right? He says, if someone comes to you and takes your cloak, in those days you'd have one cloak, maybe two if you were wealthy. Your cloak is your outer coat. I mean, this keeps you warm through the winter. So just imagine you have one, uh, your nice Patagonia coat, and someone takes it from you. Do you know what Jesus says? Give them your shirt also. If someone asks, Jesus says, if someone asks you for something, you give it to them without expecting anything in return. See, what Jesus is going to challenge us, these are hard words. Jesus is going to say that love, my type of love, gives 
without getting. It's not about what you can receive in return. It's about what you can give and give and give again. This is the way that we must love the world if we ever want to make a difference. Now, in our, in our nation right now, the way we think in our culture is that love is all about the feels. It's all about the feels, the touchy feelings. We, we watch on Hallmark. We, we go to the, the rom-coms, romantic movies. You guys read Nicholas Sparks. It's all about the feels. And, and if those of you who watch 300 um, Hallmark movies in December, I pity your husbands. Actually, they're pretty good. I like them. Make you feel good, right? You watch them because they make you feel good. Because we think that love equals emotions. The feeling of it. But what Jesus is saying here is not that type of love, is He? He says you'll love people who hate you. These are people who don't like you at all. It's not like, I, feel, I, I really like this enemy of mine. What a great person. I just want to do good things for them. No, 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 no. You love them because there are not feelings for them. There are not the feels, and it doesn't feel like you want to help this person and love them. But Jesus says those are the exact type of people we are called to love if we want to make a difference in the world. Love gives without getting. Love gives without getting. He, he goes on in verse 32. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. The love Jesus is calling us to is a love that gives without getting. It's not saying I'm going to be nice to that friend who has the big condo in the mountains so I can go stay there and go skiing. It's not about getting something in return. It's loving those who can't or won't or would never give you anything back. That's the kind of love that Jesus calls us to. In Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 13, we even read it at our <laughs> weddings nowadays. It says, love is not self-seeking. Love is not self-seeking. It's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give without getting. This is the type of love that Jesus calls us to. Love that gives without getting. And if you're saying, well, Matt, that doesn't sound very self-fulfilling. Fulfilling. Uh, you know, that doesn't sound like I'm getting all this much for it. It sounds like I'm going to get trampled on and hurt. Yes, but that's not actually the end. Verse 35, Jesus says, But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your what? Reward will be great. So you won't get stuff back in this life. You might. Somebody might change their mind and all of a sudden say, wow, you're so incredible, I'm going to be your friend now. Other people may honor you and respect you, but, but Jesus says a lot of the times when we love this way, to give without getting, we won't get the stuff back in this life. He said this life is not all there is. And every time you give without getting, you will be rewarded, Jesus says. And I believe you will even greater reward than anything you give in this life. Jesus says, it's not about just getting back right now, but one day you will get back and we can look forward to that day of reward. Yesterday we celebrated the life of Linda Schrago, an incredible woman in our church, led our women's ministry. And throughout her life, I didn't even know some of this stuff, but back when breastfeeding was like really frowned upon, only the lower class did it because they couldn't afford formula, she was at the front trying to train people and teach people to breastfeed, how great it was. 
And that's what she gave her life to. And she helped a lot of the, the moms, the young moms in our church. She served people again and again and again without expecting stuff in return. And I know that right now, she is being rewarded. And that's what we celebrated yesterday. Because there is great reward for those who can give without giving. This is what Jesus calls us to. This is the type of love He says. There will be a reward. So nothing you give up will be gone completely. Forever. He finishes up this passage explaining why we do this. The second half of verse 35, Jesus says, God is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. See, the thing is, God loves us and He gives and He gives and He gives again to us even though we don't give back. He gives to people who hate Him. He gives them air to breathe. He gives them food to eat. He let them live and, and flourish in this life. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount that God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. They have lots of good things. Theologians call it common grace because there's good things to all people in our world. That people don't deserve it all. They hate God. They, they ignore God. They don't do anything He says. And yet God loves them anyways. See, that's why we need to learn to love like Jesus because God loved us so much that He sent His Son Jesus to love us while we were His enemies. That's what we read in Romans. While we were His enemies, while we hated God, while we ignored Him and didn't do anything He said, He loved us so much that He sent Jesus. And didn't Jesus give without getting in His life? Again and again, we've already seen it in Luke. When people come to Him, He serves them, He loves them, He heals them. Even when he's exhausted and he's going away by himself just to get away from the crowd, the crowd follows him there. Even in this sermon, he went up all night and was praying. He comes down and boom, there's a crowd right in front of him. He's got to get to it. And he gives and he gives and he gives again. And he gave even his life at the end without getting for himself. But why did he do it? Because of the great reward that he received. See, now he has the name that is above every name. And one day every knee will bow before Jesus because he gave everything without getting. And we too need to learn to love like Jesus. So is this going to be hard? Yeah. I love what Mother Teresa says about this. Isn't she a great example of this? She said, I have found a paradox that if I love until it hurts, then there is no more hurt but only more love. And we can learn to love like her. There's a reason why millions of people look to her as an example, even non-Christians. Why? Because she loved by giving without getting. She loved like Jesus. And we must do the same. We must do the same. So what do we do then when people hurt us and they harm us when they're awful, evil, terrible people? We're loving them. We're trying to give to them without expecting anything in in return. What do we do? Verse 37 I'm sorry, the second point, we learn to love by forgiving without judging. This is the second thing. We've got to learn this because there are people who are going to harm us and hurt us. But love, the way of Jesus, forgives without judging. Forgives without judging, even when people harm us personally. Verse 37, Jesus says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. What he's saying here is, is the judgment that he's talking about is not just in the mind, but what we do is condemn people. We think they deserve something. We, they deserve some retribution for what they have done to me or to another person. 
But Jesus says, no, we don't do that. We forgive them. Meaning we choose not to bring the punishment they deserve. Do you hear me? We choose not to give the punishment they deserve. That's what forgiveness is. So this person has wronged you. They've smacked you around. They've hurt you. And we are called to forgive them, though they don't deserve it. This means to withhold the judgment. Withhold it. And, and man, we're quick to judge people, aren't we? When someone does hurt us and they've wronged us, we want to get them back. Have you ever been wronged by someone? Man, they, maybe they've hurt your reputation, hurt you personally. You want to ruin their reputation. How can I tell people what they have done so that people will despise them as much as has happened to me? This is what we want to do. We want to bring them down just like they've brought us down or hurt us. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Don't do that. We forgive them. We choose not to hold what they have done against them. And here's the reason why. Because God is the judge and he's going to do a much better job than you will. One of the things that we need to realize is that everyone has a whole bunch of circumstances that we don't understand. We don't know how they were raised. Man, if you had that person's mom, you'd be much worse than they are. If you came from where they came from, you would be way ruder and awful than they are. See, we can't judge all those things. We don't know everything that's going on in this person's life or the, 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 the depression that they're dealing with, why they had to respond that way. See, God knows those things. Let's leave it in His hands to judge. We are not called to judge. We're called to forgive without judging. And Jesus gives this kind of imagery of how we can remember it because He says what we do is we look at the speck, the sawdust in someone else's eye, and we say, hey, can I get that little thing off? You know, can I get that? You got something right? That's what we do when we see the wrong in someone else's life. That's what we're doing. That little tiny speck, we're trying to get rid of it. And we don't realize that there's this huge plank. Whack! We're whacking them in the head because we got this huge two-by-four coming out of our eye. There's this little speck, but we got this huge thing. See, that's the thing. Don't judge them because you're going to get judged. Don't condemn them or else you'll be condemned because you're doing the same things. Or you're doing different things, but man, they're bad. Right? See, Jesus is saying, hey, before you do that judge, get, get the stuff out of your own eye. We need to just forgive without judging. That's what we're called to do, to love like Jesus. Uh, I love what Bob Goff said about this. He said, do not judge... I'm sorry, <laughs> that's what Jesus said. Bob Goff said, love difficult people. You are one of them. You heard that, right? Love difficult people. You are one of them. So that's why we need to forgive without judging. Okay, we're just as much of a sinner. Sometimes worse. We can't even see it because we're so lacking self-awareness. So when we are demeaned, when we are hurt, we forgive and we forgive and we forgive and we keep forgiving. Isn't that what Jesus did? The people who came to save and love, the people he gave everything to, they insulted him, mocked him, hung him up on a cross to execute him. And do you know what Jesus said? Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus forgave the people who murdered him. Nobody's murdering you. You are called to love by forgiving without judging. That's how we love like Jesus. Uh, last year I read an article in the paper, and the title of it literally was, We Need to Stop Forgiving. It was written by a minority group in our country, someone, a group that has experienced all sorts of awful things. Okay? There's no question about it. And it went through all this. All these things have happened to us in our country's history, and even today all these things are happening, so we need to stop forgiving. There's too much forgiveness in our world. We need to get back 
for what has happened to us. And if you look at that from the human perspective, that's totally right. Because these are true awful things that have happened. And a lot of us have experienced it. I have been wronged. I have been hurt. But the way of Jesus says we still forgive no matter what has happened to us. We always forgive. Always. There's never enough forgiveness in the world. If we just decide, hey, I'm getting back for what has happened to me, it's just going to keep going on and on and on. And our world is going to be even more divided than it is right now. We need to forgive if we want to be the change agents in our world. Or the hate will continue to multiply. We need to stop it by forgiving. By forgiving without judging. Verse 38. I love this too. Jesus says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So we're not supposed to judge. We're not supposed to condemn. We're we're supposed to free of others because then we won't be judged. We won't be condemned. We will be forgiven. And then Jesus says, Use the measure you use for others because the measure you use will be measured to you. So what the heck is this verse saying? Let's talk about it. I I had to really think about this and study this because it doesn't make sense. This is not how we go shopping today. But that's what it's talking about. Going to the market to buy some grain. When you go to the market in those days to buy some grain, well, they didn't have standard measurements and, and like sizes or whatever. It's not like, okay, I want this 12-ounce jar and I'm going to take it and, and bring it home and, and buy it, right? So you'd go to the market and there'd be a container that was kind of a standard size and, and you'd go there, okay, I want to buy this container of grain. So what the, the merchant would do who was selling the grain would be pour it in the container, but then there's still a lot of air in there, right? So they're going to press down the grain, they're press it to the bottom, and they're going to kind of shake it, you know, shake it to make sure everything kind of falls down to the bottom into all the cracks. And then they'll fill it up again, and most of the time they would just kind of measure then to the top. But what this is saying is like they're going to pour it to overflowing so that it will fall into your lap because people used to wear cloaks in those days. So you'd have your cloak and you'd be ready to catch whatever would fall out so that you could keep it for yourself. And then what they would do if it was really overflowing, they would wrap their whole cloak up around this container that's overflowing with grain so they could take it all home. Now this is a very, very generous merchant. They could just fill it up once and leave it. They could push it down and then give it to you. Or, or they could fill it up again. But no, this person pushed down, shakes it, fills it up again, and it's still overflowing. This is the most generous merchant you can find. This is not like opening up a bag of potato chips today. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Three quarters air in this bag? What the heck? There's like four chips. It's not like that. It's like Five Guys. Have you been to Five Guys? When you get their fries... I mean, they'll give you an overflowing cup of fries, put it in your bag, and then get a whole other scoop of fries and pour it in the bag. You're like, well, this is just for one person, but I guess I'll eat it all, right? And you do. You, I mean, it's like a, for a family of five and you eat the whole thing, right? Okay, let's be more like five guys than a bag of potato chips. That's what Jesus is saying here, right? Let's be so generous and that to give and to give and forgive and forgive and forgive because God will give you the same measurement you use to measure to others. And when we are willing to forgive others and not judge others, God will forgive us and not judge us and not condemn us. You hearing me? This is to the love like Jesus. This is the way of Jesus. To be so generous to others, way beyond what is standard, if we want to make a difference. 
But how do we deal with it when we have the opposite? Like, I don't feel good about this person. I don't want to help them. I don't want to serve them anymore. They've just hurt me and hurt me again. I keep forgiving them. What do I do? How do I deal with this? Well, we need to learn the third point is that love receives. It does receive. Love receives without keeping. This is what you need to learn, that love receives without keeping. Okay, this is important for us to know because if you are always giving and giving and forgiving and forgiving, you will be depleted. You will be, feel like I'm trampled. I, I don't have anything more to give. So we need to actually learn to receive, but the receiving we do is so that we can give even more. We receive without keeping for ourselves. Let me explain this to you. Jesus uses uh, another kind of parable here in verses 43 through 45. Jesus says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man, listen to this, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Okay, so he uses this imagery of the, the fruit. Okay, because if you have a good tree, it's going to produce good fruit. Okay, if you have a rotten tree, you might have a thousand peaches on it. They're all going to be rotten. I had a tomato plant in Nebraska, had all sorts of tomatoes all over it, but the, the plant was rotten, so every single tomato was rotten. It didn't matter how many it produced. It's bad. Because the fruit is the same as the root. Okay? You got me? The root is rotten. The fruit is rotten. Okay? There's no way that we can give and forgive and help others unless at the core of ourselves, in our heart, that Jesus says, that it has been made good. It has been transformed. Hear me? Unless you have been loved, you cannot love. Unless you have been loved, you cannot love. Unless you have been forgiven, you cannot forgive. That's what Jesus is saying here. You've got to receive something first. And the receiving that we receive is from God Himself. Through God Himself. Henry Blackaby explains this well. He, he says, if you have an obedience problem, you have a love problem. If you have a problem putting into practice what Jesus is teaching us here, to love our enemies, to forgive people and, and not judge them, it, it, the obedience problem is because you have a love problem. You need more love. You need to receive more from God. And then what happens when you do have the good heart, that it has been transformed, that God has loved you, then it overflows out of you. That's what Jesus said. It overflows. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the reason why we can encourage people, love people, say good things about people who are just ragging us and being awful and terrible to us, why can we do it? Because our heart has been transformed and it overflows. I love this because the love comes in and it's so much that you have enough, you're filled up, and you're overflowing. It's not that, oh, I'm running empty. Well, the reason why you're running empty is we need to spend more time with God to experience His love and His forgiveness. This is why we encourage everyone to worship weekly. And barely, that's barely enough, right? We worship weekly and hopefully you experience the love of God here and then you can go out and love others. Hopefully every morning we encourage you to spend time with God and as you're loved by God and you spend time and you realize He forgives you every single day, then you can go out and love and forgive people because man, there are some hard days. There are some hard days to get through. I have to see that person again. How am I going to be able to do it? Well, we need more love in. We need to receive, and then we receive without keeping. It's not so I can receive more love so I can have it all to myself. No, no, it's, it's so that you can overflow and give to others. Love 
receives without keeping. Love receives without keeping. This is what Jesus tells us. There has to be the heart change on the inside. And this is what Jesus did. Haven't we seen Jesus do this? Whenever he's exhausted, he goes by himself to spend time with God and pray. He prayed all night long. He's exhausted. He keeps giving and giving it, and he needed to spend time with God. He's going, it says, to the Sabbath every week because he was worshiping every week. He's going alone with God whenever he can because he has too many people to love. He's got to spend more time with God. If Jesus needed to do that, so do you. Okay? Love receives without keeping. And Jesus even did this. On the night he knew he was going to be betrayed, what did he do? He prayed all night long. Because he knew if he was going to continue to give and forgive those people even from the cross, he would need to spend even more time receiving the love of God. And then it could overflow from him even there on the cross. We need to love like Jesus. But here's the last point. And it's probably the most important point of all. Because a lot of us love this. We, we love this. Oh yeah, we've got to love our enemies. We need more of that. We need more love in our world. See, non-Christians say, yeah, we need more love. Love, not hate. But here's the thing. You can't like this. You can't read this. You can't study it. You can't even memorize it. That's not enough. Jesus says that love does without failing. That's our fourth point. Love does without failing. See, love is a verb. We've already talked about it. It's not about the emotions. But love is a verb, and that means it must be put into practice. It must be done. Verse 46 and 47, we read, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But did you notice what he said in verse 46? People come to me. They say, Lord, Lord. These are people who have made a profession of faith. And they're emphasizing it. They don't just say Lord once. They say it twice. Lord, Lord, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I follow you. I learn from you. I want to be like you. You're my master. Jesus says, why do you do that? And don't do what I say. No, no, no. If you come to me, you say you follow me. It's not enough to just talk about it. Even like it. Even love it. You've got to do it. You've got to go and love like I do. And he says, I'll show you what they're like. He he tells the story of these two different guys. (laughs) And the first one, goes out and he digs down deep, it says. He digs down deep to find a firm foundation on the rock below and he builds his house. And the second guy goes out to build his house too, but he doesn't care about the foundation, so he just builds the house right there. And then what happens? A storm comes. A torrential downpour comes. And notice how the storm comes for both of them. Okay, There's a little bonus point. If you follow Jesus, your life is not going to be perfect. There still will be suffering, trials, and storms, okay? But the storm comes for both of them. And the house that's built on the firm foundation, what happens? Continues to stand strong. But the house built without the foundation is washed away and destroyed. It collapses, it says. It fails. Now, for a long time growing up, I was taught this, and there's even a hymn that teaches this, So it sounds good, but it's not quite there. I was taught that the person who builds their house on the rock is the person who builds their house on the Word of God. But that's not what Jesus said. It's not what He said here, is it? He said the one who builds their house on the rock, the firm foundation, 
is the one who hears my word and what? Does it. He says, I don't care how much you like my word. I don't care if you've studied the word of God and you know it backwards and forwards, have meditated on it, memorized it, gone to Sunday school your whole life, teach Sunday school. I don't care all about all that. He says, you have to do it. You have to do it. You have to put it into practice. There's a great book, one of the best books I've ever read on Jesus called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. Um, really great, kind of dense, but I recommend it if you, if you really want to study the Bible. And he says, in the Middle East, um, you build your houses in the summer. Okay? It's summertime, and it's a big endeavor to do. But what you do is you go out there, and in the summer, the ground is like hard clay. Okay? It's really hard. It feels like it's a rock, Right? But if you're smart there, you're going to dig. And you keep digging and you keep digging no matter how far you have to dig. One foot or ten feet till you get to the rock. And then you build there. It seems like the, the hard clay is, is going to be tough enough, but no, it's not. Because in the winter and the rains come, it's a torrential flood. And if you've ever been in the desert when it's flooding, it's, it's incredible. Melissa, my wife, is from Moab. We've been out there when it starts raining there. Because it's the desert and it never rains there, the water doesn't like know how to go into the soil almost, right? And um, so when it does rain, there's waterfalls forming on all the cliffs around you. People go camping because they think everything is fine and dry, and all of a sudden, within minutes, their entire campsite is washed downstream. People die because they get washed into the Colorado River and they're flooded down there. I mean, it's amazingly quick. That's why they call them flash floods, right? That's what happens in the desert. And Jesus is saying, this is going to happen. There will be storms. There will be hardship. Things will be terrible in your life. People will insult you and hate you and persecute you. It's coming. And the only people who are prepared for that are the people who do what I say. Not the people who have read the Bible and understand it, who have heard every word I've ever taught and love it. Jesus says, no, the ones who put it into practice. And that's why this last point I think is so important because love does without failing. It will not fail because the storms are coming. There's going to be hardship. There's going to be trials. It's going to be suffering. And you have already needed to be putting it into practice so that when those times come, you know what to do because you've already been doing it. And that's why I think that this is really the climax of this entire message that Jesus gives. We need to love by giving without getting, forgiving without judging we we need to receive without keeping and now we need to do we need to do without failing we've got to do it so if you forget everything i said don't forget this do it do it we have enough talk okay we have enough study we need to do it so let's go out in love like jesus and that's exactly what he did He loved and loved and forgave and forgave and kept giving and kept giving. And he gave his own life, knowing that when he did that, when he loved us so much that he's willing to give everything for us, that it would change the world. That when we were able to put our faith in him, we could have eternal life and this new way of living that could go out and love just like Jesus loved. We need to love like Jesus. So how do we respond then when people hate us and mock us and they say terrible and awful things about us? What do we do? We love like Jesus. Um, uh, a few years ago back in San Diego, well, I mean, it's been going on for a long time, There's a cross that was built on some public government land, way up on the hill. 
in La, near La Jolla. Uh, and it was because it was on a public property, lawsuit after lawsuit came, right? Um, you can't have a cross up there. That's, you know, that's breaking the, you know, the Bill of Rights and all that stuff. Okay, lawsuit after lawsuit. Well, finally it got settled because a private company came in and bought the land. Said, we'll buy it so we can have the cross. Well, then an atheist group said, how can we deal with this? So they rented it on Easter. Ha! I'll show you, Christians. You think you finally got this cross taken out of the lawsuit? We're going to show you because we're going to take your cross for Easter. So you can't worship there. So how do Christians respond? How do followers of Jesus respond to that? We get on Twitter. How can these awful atheists? We call up our congressman. How could you let this happen? We call up the business. How could you rent it to a bunch of atheists on Easter? No, no, no. How do Christians respond? Well, there was a group of Christians at church, and they heard about this. So they got up really early on Easter, and they bought a bunch of orange juice and donuts and coffee and brought it and gave it to the atheists. That's how we love like Jesus. Simple things like that. Let's pray. Lord God, um, these are some of the most challenging words because we look at our life and we're like, I'm not doing it. I like it. I want to be able to love like Jesus, but I don't do it, Lord God. And I pray that you transform our hearts today. And I pray that by the love that you have given us, by giving us your own son to die in our place, we can remember that. We can realize that we are forgiven and not judged. That we can go out and forgive without judging. That we can love and give and give and give again and forgive and forgive and forgive again. And we can keep doing it by putting it into practice, Lord God. And no matter what happens, we will have that firm foundation because we love like Jesus. Help us to be the change agents in this world. That we could go out from this place to love like you. Amen.